Alright folks, welcome on back to another episode of one of your favorite, most favorite paranormal shows, you know, breaking down barriers, it doesn't matter if we're talking about audio podcast radio shows, we don't care if we're talking about video, you know, on on your uh, Discovery Pluses and on all your Go shows and, you know, all your all your different forms, YouTube, all your different crazy ways of watching the paranormal. You know, some people have said, a lot of them come from the afterlife to tell us this, but some people say that mostly ghostly is top of the pile uh, when it comes to the medium of talking ghosts and supernatural things. We appreciate that at the Ghostly Show, don't we, Ray? Oh, yeah, we do. You know... It kind of, it's that age-old question, would you rather have a big fan base in the afterlife or the life you're in? You know, Well, well since we're all going to end up in the afterlife eventually, I'd say the afterlife right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't, there's a lot of people that don't become, don't get success in their work, doesn't become famous till after they go to the afterlife. So it's a, it's a nice mix. But I hear we got a lot, you know, Art Bell's a big fan of the show, which I support. When I heard that, I was very happy to hear that. You know what I mean? You know all the, all our, uh, all the, all the, all the famous paranormal. You know the Warrens. I know the Warrens is definitely down. They're all. They make sure they tune in live every time. Um, you know what I mean? Do you? We had a little record issue there. Yep. I guess I shouldn't have been talking about the Warrens. Maybe the Warrens and our bell do not like our show, but that's even more heartbreaking than them getting upset that we brought them up. But with that being said, um, we want to talk about nine things today. You know what I mean? Just nine things. No biggie. Give us a moment of your time. Um, and these are the symbols of death, so to speak. Um, when you see the, when these symbols are around these, you know, you know, manif- the manifestation of death cannot be too far away. Um, and we're going to get into some of the top meanings of the symbols, you know what I mean? And the symbols of, uh, death, you know, a subject, which we, you know, talk a lot about here on the ghostly, you know, we talk more about the, the dead than the living, you know what I mean? It's one of those things, um, but uh, that's because what John Wayne Gacy said once, um, you know, it's not the dead you got to worry about, it's the living. You know what I mean? And that, that was very profound um, when he wasn't dressing up as a clown and killing people. That was very uh, hit the spot, you know what I mean? So, you know, the symbolism of death is seen all around the world. You know, we see it in movies, music, art, literature, comedy. Um, sports, um, you name it, you know what I mean? It's there. Um, you know why? Because the most unknown and definite uh, mystery of life that everybody eventually has to deal with head on personally. And nobody, you know, people, it's the thing, you know, people claim, you know, I haven't died yet, so I haven't, at least as far as I know. So I, I don't know the exact official official. I think everybody finds that out when you get there. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's some symbols here that you might want to know about. Because uh, if they're bearing down on you, you need to be on the lookout for sure. You know what I mean, Ray? Oh, yeah. Now, this was, this this uh, this topic came from Ray. Um, and, you know, his... His studies and the practices go back as far as death does, for crying out loud. That's how long he's been learning about these things. So he's definitely the man with the plan when it comes to diving into these things, you know. So, uh, you know, I don't for, know. Huh? I don't know. I don't know if I'm that old, but. Uh... No, no, no. No, just the, just your um, just your education on it, because you've been getting educated. This is just. You know, in other lives in the past, you've been working towards this your entire deal. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Your flesh body is just just a suit. You know what I mean? Brother knows how to dress. But the real Ray Booten has been around forever, gathering all this important knowledge. You know what I mean? 
Well, we've all been around forever, but that's a different topic. Oh, I like it. I like that. So, you know, the first, we're going to get into the common symbols of death. Uh, first up, right off the jump, we have blackness. Now, the color black represents death, as everybody knows. It's the all-engulfing, all-encompassing, surrounding you in the pitch dark. Um, you know, certain people feel that that might be the afterlife, that it's all darkness, um, just black, like turning off a TV or something. Um, but what a, what a sad, I think the, the saddest, uh, the saddest outlook for death, I think, is the, the black outlook. I think that's the bleakest. You know, I think that's, uh, you know, you know, hell going to hell is of course worse, but, uh, the, all the blackness of is, uh, the hopelessness of the blackness is kind of, is very sad when you think about it. You know what I mean? Uh, then it kind of, all the things you hear in life about, you know, don't be too sad when you lose somebody because you'll, you'll see him again one day that would blow all that stuff out of the water, which that stuff I happen to believe and uh, enjoy believing, you know what I mean? Well, when you're look, when you're looking at the uh, darkness, you're looking at black. Uh, you go back to ancient cultures. Uh, the night had a lot of uh, the darkness, and the nighttime had a lot of uh, threats in it. Yeah. You never knew what was going to come out of that darkness at you, animal or person. And mm-hmm. people might get lost. People might get killed during the night. That that darkness, what you can't see. That's where your fears. Uh, that's where your fears lie. And I think that's why a lot of people associate uh, that darkness with a void and with death because they fear it. Sure. Nothing symbolizes death more uh, fervently than the color black. Death is the ultimate darkness, the end of any light in your life, the opposite of white, innocence and light. Black represents all that is dark and evil in the world. Now, the art world is filled with examples of this color or the absence of color and the decay and darkness it represents. Books and movies and especially poetry have also utilized black to represent death, nothingness, and the end. Uh, clothing goes a long way in representing death and mourning. There are many examples of black clothing as a representation of death. For instance, for centuries, grieving family members have worn black to show that they are in mourning after the loss of a loved one. That's very true. You know what I mean? Another example of black clothing representing death is a black band uh, on police badges when a fellow officer dies. This is not only a sign of respect, but also a symbol that his or her life has been snuffed out. Finally, the popular Grim Reaper from countless books and movies wears a black robe when he comes with his Sith to take your soul. So uh, I definitely say wearing black signifies death for sure. Yeah. Now, what's your favorite color? My favorite color? Ooh. It goes back. You know, I can get down with some green, purples, blues. Um, I get down with the black's not Black's never really been my color. Even when I was big into the hardcore music, black was never really my color. Fun fact about Matt Fisher and favorite colors is I remember as a young kid, um, young, young kid before high school, maybe even before junior high. I remember, I think it definitely was. I was asked, I was asked what my favorite color was. And I said, purple. And, uh, I was given a hard time for that because that was a quote unquote gay color. They said, which I will, you know, it was a whole different time. You know what I mean? But I remember I, uh, I quickly, I quickly changed. I quickly changed my favorite color. Now, who's the bad guy? Them or me? What do you, what, you know what I mean? Um, I'm hoping they are. So, next up, Ray. Okay. We have oh, uh, my favorite color? What, oh, your favorite yeah. color? Yeah, black. I thought it would be. I've got some, uh, I've got black, black pants on, black socks. I've always had black in my wardrobe. Sometimes it's the complete wardrobe. And as far as liking that color, um, you go way, way back into grammar school when I was little. I would love to go out into the night when it's dark, and I still love the darkness. So, yeah, black's my favorite color. 
I wear a lot of black myself, but it's more because I'm a heavy guy. I think black hides the hides the heaviness. Uh, in some situation, it hides the heaviness, and then in situations like this, it represents the heaviness. Imagine that. Well, speaking about hiding, it's also if you're talking the nighttime and it's dark, it's a good place to hide. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, next up, another symbol. <clears throat> Uh, clocks, of course, you know, the, the, the ticking of time, you know, uh, grandfather clocks have often represented death because they're ticking toward your death. I think any, I think the passing of time in any way is, uh, you know, makes you think of death. What do you think? I agree, particularly uh, if you get older, you go past a certain age, then you start noticing. Yeah. And ha- you have to fight that. And just live in a moment and just ignore it. But you are aware that there's going to be a time when that clock for you stops ticking. Yeah. Now, the, the idea surrounding clocks are the symbol of death. The clock tr- keeps track of our time on Earth. Because it does kind of keep track of Earth time. Now, when the clock runs out, so does our time. From baby New Year to father time. Time is a symbol of the cycle of life. Many writers use the symbol of a clock or a timepiece in a timepiece in their work. I've seen them in ch- chapter, you know, p- you know, pictures to kind of um, start a new chapter or to kind of break it up. They'd have like a, a clock. I've seen that a few times. Now, Emily Dickinson, known best for her poems of death, utilizes this symbolism in her poem, "A Clock Stopped." In this piece, she discusses the dial of life. And shows how the minutes of life can be counted until we meet our maker. When poets make metaphors about death, clocks are commonly used uh, as those symbols. Now, along with many examples of clocks in the writings, movies also show time passing very symbolically. For instance, cinematic directors uh, accent the death symbolism by having a ticking clock that will dislodge a bomb when the time has elapsed. This is both a literal and symbolic meaning of death. Time of day is also matters to death. Nighttime, and especially the hour of midnight, draws the macabre closer to the real world. When the clock stops, so does your life. Some scary stuff. Well, I know that uh, when I was young, uh, I saw High Noon. Yes. I actually studied it in a film class. There's a certain point where the main character, I think it was Gary Cooper, um, he receives a telegram that there's a gang he put away of killers that are going to be on the train. And he looks up at the clock. And, and on the clock, you could see like it was an hour till they arrive. The rest of the movie takes one hour till they arrive. Hmm. And the, in- the interesting thing is like, he cannot find anybody in the town to support him, to stand with him, to do anything. He's going to have to face down this gang alone. And once in a, every once in a while, they look at the, it shows a clock ticking down. So you know someone's going to die once it hits that time the train comes in. Yeah. But the movie used it literally to fill that space, that hour. I think it was an hour. Uh, to make you wait along with him for that showdown for death to arrive. Yeah, you know, uh, in speaking of movies, you know, I think of like The Wizard of Oz right off the bat, where I think, uh, you know, things with with the wind down, you know, the, the hourglass, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Uh, I think the hourglass fits right in with the clock, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. All right. Next up, we have vultures, those pesky birds that want to pick your bones clean if you die in their presence, you know what I mean? Not, uh, much like a buzzard. But different. Do you know what? The size is different, I think, right? Uh, yeah, they're kind of big. They're kind of big, yeah. Um, but yeah, vultures, if you see them circling around your head, uh, that is definitely a sign of trouble, especially if you happen to be laying down at the time. Um, and it, You know, laying down, not, not by your will laying down, that is definitely trouble time. You know what I mean? Uh, they represent the imminent death because they circle waiting for something to die. And then they sweep da- swoop down and get it. Now, are they, have, are they very strong? You said they're big, so they're very Do you think they could, like, uh, pick up the body of a human 
and carry it off to a nest or something? Uh, not that strong, but body parts, yeah. If it was big enough, yeah. And I always thought, you know, when you see a bird swoop down and grab something, and it's like, imagine something just putting its talons in your back and in the side of your neck and your back from the back. You know what I mean? Just lift you off the ground and carry you somewhere. Uh, that's, some pain, that's a painful endeavor. Now, the Mayans saw vultures eating dead animals, and they considered it a symbol of transformation. Since the time of the Mayans, this transformative nature of vultures symbolizes the transition between life and death. Yeah, I think they're almost, they, they consider, they're all vultures almost as like Langoliers. Are you familiar with the Langoliers from the Stephen King universe? Yes. Like, that's kind of how they picture them, you know what I mean? In the spiritual realm of it, like a spiritual, physical Langolier. Would you agree? Uh, I'd say yes. Um, the Buddhists, and when you take a look at Buddhists, yeah. most people don't realize that there's one t- more than one type of Buddhism. There were branches of it, just like there were right. branches of Christianity, etc. Mm-hmm. And there was one type where they believe that the body's temporary, the soul spirit, but the body belongs to the earth and belongs to everything around it. It's just an integral part of it. And they actually take the body up the mountains or the high hills or mountains in the Himalayas. They will dismember it and leave it for the vultures. For the vultures to have, because they're giving the body back to the earth and the creatures on the earth. The spirit has moved on. Yeah. You know, with passing through the vulture system, and turning into, you know, fertilizer, that probably means something to them, too. Like the rebirth, uh, the regeneration, you know. You know, life will grow from that, so to speak. Yeah. Next up, we have, uh, you might you might not need to help me with this one. Chrysanthemums? Chrysanthemus. I'd say chrysanthemums. Themums. Chrysanthemums. Anyways, these flowers are a sign of death and mourning. So if you know what flowers I'm talking about, just uh, I, not, I said that. I think I do. It's uh, chrysanthemums. Yeah. Are those the black flowers, I'm guessing? That's- I don't know. I'm trying to remember. My mother had a garden with lots of flowers. I'm trying to remember which are which, and I can't off the top of my head. I know you see, I know there's a lot of, like, you see, like, black roses and other black flowers at wake. So I wonder if it's a black flower that one of the you know commonly found commonly seen in a wake type deal it's possible uh, possible i don't know i guess you wouldn't want to just go have a whole full put them all over your house um unless you know what you were doing of course just like roses are a universal symbol of love uh they symbolize death in many european countries and are a sign of grief and mourning in Asian countries, uh, the white uh, chrysanthemums, horrifying, uh, herald adversity, sadness, and grief because it can survive the winter frost. Don't you think that would make it stronger, though? More of a warrior plant. It is also a symbol of immortality. With you know that that's what I would assume with that. You know, being able to survive the winter, I'd almost assume they would want to eat that to f- make themselves stronger or something. Now, with certain traits like the hardiness of mums, they make a good symbol of death. You know, what's your take on that? I can kind of see that particularly, uh, I mean, they survived the winter, the tie into surviving death. Um, yeah, I, I can see where they have a special power. And if, if people don't understand what it is, just like they don't understand death, they can stop making an association with it. Well, flowers are, have always been like with, with life and death, you know, when things are, when, when during birth, you know, people give beautiful flowers and stuff. And like we said, in death, they mourn with the darker flowers and stuff. So the, you know, it's, it's, you know, plants are a sign of living, you know, even though they cut them and they, they live for a little bit when they're cut, which is, which is nice, I guess. But, um, 
flowers in general, plants, I think plants play a big part into it because it is that whole, you know, you die, you're buried, your body becomes fertilizer for new growth, you know what I mean, new plants. So it almost makes sense. It's almost like these plants are beautiful because I'm sure there's got to be a culture that feels plants are beautiful because it keeps, because the souls of their loved ones were in the soil. There's got to be, right? Uh, there, there, there probably is. I mean, plants are an excellent symbol if you want to look at rebirth. Yeah. They die off. They die off each year, and they keep coming back. And that's what people want, because since they are afraid of that darkness or death. Mm. Yeah. The chisel. Uh, next up, another plant that is a sign of death are the cypress trees. Um, these trees also represent death and mourning. Uh, there's a hip hop group called Cypress Hill. I wonder if that that's gotta they gotta take Cypress from that. I feel. Um, but to go to take it out of the hip hop world and go a little bit dip, deeper into the spiritual world here, you know, we got these from ancient times. Cypress trees have been a symbol of mourning, and up until modern times, these are the three the trees you are most likely to find in cemeteries in both the Muslim and European worlds. One reason cypress trees represent death is found in the Bible. They represent evergreens and therefore everlasting life. So they are a good plant to represent death. Uh, Just as the tree itself will never die, the cypress tree in a cemetery is an example of everlasting life. That the tree will never die, huh? Someone's being optimistic there. I know. Well, these trees don't smoke cigarettes. That's what they say. <clears throat> they they live healthy lives and they jog every day and they don't eat red meat. Um, they're vegetarians, but then they then they cannibals at that point. So then you really kind of question your whole world. But um, what do you? What should? Uh, is there a certain like if somebody wanted to get a a certain type of plant for good energy in their house? Is there a certain energy? That, is there a certain plant that they should be looking to get? Do you know of? Um, I do have somewhere a list of them, but it's not near me right now. I'm looking but, to get some plans for the office to liven it up. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't know that about the cypress, though. It probably is a long-lived tree, and that's why they associate that eternity with it. Yeah. But I, I had no idea. Uh, that's a new one. I hadn't come across that before. Yeah, it's in, you know, in the Bible... Which is, you know, that's cool. That's going way back. All right. I can think a little bit more recently. It just came to mind that uh, the origin is in Europe. Mm. And it was an older uh, pagan thing. And like people uh, nowadays when people go knock on wood, what they don't realize is the older pagan, they would knock on a tree. And if cypress was common, it probably would have been a, uh, a cypress tree. But they would knock on the closest tree because they are when they're knocking, that knocking on the tree and the spirit of the tree is to protect them. Yeah. <clears throat> so tree trees back then where this tradition came out of in that part of the world uh, would tie very heavily in the symbolism for life and death. I've been thinking about getting a bonsai tree. You know anything about them? Uh, you ready to uh, manicure and take care of it and shape it? I don't even do that for myself. <laughs> um, why? There's that, that much work, huh? Uh, no, it's not a lot, but every once in a while you look at it and go, what's happening? Then you have to get the little clippers out and reshape it, but not that often. I wouldn't expect work from something I was buying from Market Basket. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> but you'd never know, you know? Oh, all right. Next up, the big granddaddy of death. Uh, maybe the, one of the most co- – you you mentioned death. You say – I'm going to give you a word. You tell me the first thing that pops in your head, and I say death. It's most likely this gentleman right here, uh, the Grim Reaper himself, uh, a fictional character that appears when people die. Now, do you know when the Grim Reaper first showed up on the scene? I think it was in the 1800s. Okay. And he was just the dude. He was just, uh, he's not in the Bible. There's no character like that in the Bible, right? No, you might, you would have the angel, the angel of, of death. death. Is there an angel of death in the Bible? Isn't one of, 
There is I, an angel of death, isn't there? Yeah. There, there's that? an angel of death, which may have become the Grim Reaper. Right. Uh, I, I vibe with that. I feel like that's probably what it, the, the angel of death would definitely be the Grim Reaper. Now, the earliest mention of the Grim Reaper is in the English literature in a book called The Circle of Human Life, published in 1847. The Grim Reaper is dressed in black and carries a giant Sith in order to gather souls. So the Sith, which if anybody that doesn't know, you know, it's the old, I think, corn cutting tool where it's, it's that long stick with a like blade. Everybody, I think, knows what the Grim Reaper rolls with. Um, but that would, the, the Sith is in order to gather souls. So I wonder what the symbolism for the Sith is that it could just kind of grab you and hook you in type deal. I think that uh, it says gather souls, but before, if you're going to cut down the crop through that Sith, yeah. uh, you cut them down to gather them up. Mm. So the Grim Reaper is uh, kind of almost a dual purpose there. He's uh, taking your life and then he's gathering up your soul, just <laughs> like a, a farmer would uh, cut down the grain or whatever he's, he's harvesting and then gather it up. That's true. I think a lot, you know, the humanity is the Grim Reaper. You know what I mean? I think that, um, I think the plea, the trees and the plants wrote a lot, wrote a lot of, got into the mines and wrote a lot of these early, early things. And they just, they're, they're talking about humanity is the devil type stuff. Now, the Reaper dressed up in black carries the Sith. You know, the dressed in black is the black cloak. He's not wearing a black suit. You know what I mean? Uh, he's not wearing the old black Adidas jumpsuit, that's for sure. So, dressed in black, they should, I don't know why they didn't just say a cloak, because he doesn't, you know, come Saturday and Sunday, he's still wearing the cloak, he ain't, he's not, uh, dressing down, you know what I mean? It's just kind of his deal. Now, they, they, they like to say that he's a folklore character right off the bat, not, not put any faith in him. You know, as a kid growing up, you believe in a thing like the Grim Reaper and such, and, you know, it's not that hard to believe that there actually probably in reality is maybe something like that that comes to gather. Um, do you remember when you believed or stopped believing in the Grim Reaper, or maybe you never have? Um, I never have. Yeah. It's I always, uh, I, fairy tale I, stuff. Yeah, I, I always saw it more of a liter- something in literature or movies. I didn't, I never really saw it even as a kid as uh, something that was real. And the interesting part about that is I started having paranormal and other experiences about seven years old, but Grim Reaper was never one of those things I believed in. Yeah, Grim Reaper to me has like a Mothman vibe to it. You know what I mean? A little bit. <clears throat> Who's to say if that's what the Mothman came from Grim Reaper folklore? You know what I mean? It could be. Now, in Irish folklore, <clears throat> the Grim Reaper is represented by the last person in the area who died and is coming to take, le- to take the newly deceased away. He is often accompanied by a banshee who screams and cries during this process. What do you think the significance of that banshee screaming and crying is, right? Uh, to terrify the people, though they associate that banshee banshee with death because it is terrifying hmm. then that that kind of go you know a couple episodes ago we were talking about something that related to you know the doctor sleep that new stephen king movie where there was those ghoulish people that prey on the the kids energy and stuff like that and that's almost what that sounds like where this banshee is almost a spirit to get you get you they say the more scared you are the more delicious like that's what it is in the movie which I almost take some reality uh, into that. That almost sounds like something realistic would that, you know, in a, in a world like this, in this out, you know, getting into something like this, I feel like that where the bit with what you said, the screaming and, you know, to scare people, they definitely, you would assume that the more scared you were, if, if it was something, an evil entity like that, but the Grim Reaper, it never, I, it never came off to me as evil. It came, came off as, the police almost like they in, in the police in the mind of a kid, <clears throat> you know, like 
not not so much an adult outlook of the police, but as a as a as a kid, you go, okay, well, if you're bad, they show up and they take you away, and that's that. And it's almost like that way with the Grim Reaper, where it's like, well, if you're going to die, the Grim Reaper shows up and you can beg for your life, but you really, he's going to take you no matter what. And he's just kind of there to do a job, not really malicious. I don't, I never really took him for really an evil entity or a malicious entity. I really just considered him uh, uh, almost like a guardian in a way. They come and get you, gather you to take you to the next place type deal. Like, I almost, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was going to say um, almost like, um, um, what do you call them? We, you talk about them a lot. Um, you're like spirit, not spirit animal, but you're like spirit guides, spirit guide. I almost consider the grim reaper, like a spirit guide type deal. I've always, uh, felt ba- bad for the grim reaper. Hmm. Your whole existence is to approach someone dying and take their take bring their soul across. Yeah. So you constantly seeing death and fear, and uh, you may know something's better on the other side, but you're always immersed in that every time you have to bring a, a gather up a soul. It's kind of like, well, you know, who's there for the Grim Reaper? Everybody hates the image. Everybody turns its back and hits this poor soul going around. That job just sucks. Well, it does sound like a punishment. You think there'd be more than one or it would be just one? Uh, well, I put it more in the category of folklore, but uh, in the spirit world, it could be one that can manifest a billion times. Because the way we've talked about on the show, about like the thoughts of hell, at least what I've talked about, where I think it's almost like a, mental mental thing where you know you see bad things happening to people you care about in a way it's almost like if you were good-hearted but you didn't live the life that you were supposed to or whatever so you didn't make it to the light that like a punishment would having to you know constantly deal with the these these terrible situations you have that or you also you you know in a weird spiritual way maybe like i still don't think he's a negative figure but he could maybe he maybe something positive comes from maybe a little bit of your energy stays with him or maybe he's you know rejuvenized somehow through your essence you know what i mean so there's the there's two different ways you could take it is it being real sad for him uh or it could be something where maybe it's just his job but he's like you know like through like they throw him a tip a shilling a piece of the soul so to speak you know what i mean uh, and you know, in the, in the spiritual world, that energy is food. I feel that's how they kind of that's what they survive off of. I um, I agree that there's probably about ba- there's a balance in spirit, like there is in the, uh, in this world we're living in. Yeah. The grim the grim reaper may be constantly uh, confronted with death and suffering, but he gets to bring that soul across to the other side and also experience its freedom when it goes into the light. Mm. So it's sad on the one hand, but on the other hand, the reaper should be there when he releases that soul uh, into the light and know that that soul itself is getting uh, the joy of being there. Yeah. There's um, There's a film by Wim Wenders. Um... I'm trying to think of it. Um, it'll, come to, it'll come to me in a moment here. He's a, he's a like auteur filmmaker from Britain, I think it is. Uh, Wings of Desire. Have you ever seen that film? No. It's a black and white film. It's kind of, it's about an angel that, um, it's about the life of an angel. You'll probably like it. It's fucking masterfully done. Um, you know, 87, it feels like a movie from the fifties, like those, you know, those like kind of films with heart from the fifties. And I believe the story revolves around an angel who it's, that's where it is. It's like, he's kind of like, there's a dude who's going to kill himself and stuff. And he's kind of dealt with dealing with humans in like sad ways where 
it's just like I don't want to go too deep without giving it away because it's a really good movie and it's deep as hell. It's really deep. But I kind of get that vibe. I almost get a Wings of Desire, um, Wim Wenders film vibe from um, The Grim Reaper when I think of The Grim Reaper. But, Inter- interesting. Yeah. Uh, they're, that, they're, that Wings of Desire, that Wings of Desire movie has a, has a scene where he's watching a human and like he's 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 almost like don't he's like don't he's, who's gonna kill himself and he's like don't jump don't jump and the the human does and the like the look on that actor's face was so incredible you know it was like so incredibly done it was uh superb for sure you know what i mean uh true masterpiece the criterion collection released it if anybody gets down with that definitely check out wings of desire i will I, I'll let you borrow it next time I see you. It might even be streaming somewhere. It's a fit, pretty famous movie. Um, next up, of course, when it went after the Grim Reaper, you could only go into the direction of the Raven. And we're not talking about Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Nah. We're talking about them ravens. You know what I mean? Them birds. Nah. Ravens are believed to prophesize death. Hence, in the Raven. Uh, now, don't quote that Raven nevermore. That's the last thing you want to do. That's some big trouble stuff. But uh, birds are very uh, common in here. It's I think it's the flight. I think the fact that they can be on land and fly uh, is very symbolic for uh, heavens, heavenly stuff. They can fly into the heavens and come back type deal. Now, no animal represents death more powerfully uh, than the beady-eyed black raven, but they have a depth of meaning that goes beyond just the carry-on-eating animal. They are also known for prophecy and intelligence because the raven has this depth of meaning. It is often used in poetry, art, and storytelling. The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe is a great example of how a raven symbolizes death. The speaker is lamenting over his lost love, and the raven shows up one night when he is mourning his woman, Lenore. The raven refuses to leave, and his chorus of nevermore tells the speaker that he will be happy and peaceful. Nevermore. Uh, Taunting. Then they have that not not only do they bring death, but they got a bad attitude. They're kind of assholes, it sounds like. Uh, Ray, do you quote that Raven Nevermore or leave that to its own own uh, openings? No, I leave that. I see uh, what I see with a Raven is eating the carrion or the dead things. You got not another thing that's con- consuming death. Um, it's black. You got the color black. And like you were saying, I mean, it lives on the ground, but it also can fly up in the air. Yeah. And this goes back to a time before planes. So that was magical that this could fly. And as far as seeing or prophesizing death to come, if you combine the sight it has beyond the horizon that we don't have from its height and the fact that it eats the dead, Mm. people would assume that it's maybe uh, hungry and looking for more. So if a raven shows up, look out, this thing eats death. What's, who's going to die? Yeah. Uh, for sure on that. If, you, if it's eating death, you, if you're eating death, you need a better diet in your life. That's all I got to say. Well, humans do it. They just cook it first. That's true. And if they don't cook it, they get to be death. They get to meet death in person. With uh, bacteria issues, salmonella. Uh, now the next thing up, uh, you know, we've been dealing with a lot of animals and plants, um, and we're going to get into some men real quick. The four horsemen. Now that's not the team from the wrestling syndicate, but in Christianity, these horsemen appear at the apocalypse. Um, they they they're on the the different horses. Of course, you have the black horse. Pale horse, of course. Of course, of course. Um, what other colors are there? 
Oh, four of them, right? There's four, and it's yeah. pale, black, white, and maybe a gray. I don't know. I don't know. I know they're not the most uh, colorful of colors. Uh, when symbolizing death, they're they're very abstract. You know what I mean? That's what I say about them. But the four horsemen uh, is iconic, right out the biblical, uh, and right into your face for sure. And uh, to get a little deeper into the found, uh, found in every a very in the very apocalyptic last book of the Christian Bible, the Book of Revelation, the four horsemen of the apocalypse come galloping in to set the uh, the end of days in motion with their fiery personalities. Now, each horse and rider is symbolic of a, something different. The white horse is ridden by Christ or the Antichrist. There's kind of a big difference there. I don't know why they say Christ <laughs> or the Antichrist. Um, that's part of the trickery right there and symbolizes conquest. The red horse, I thought it was red, symbolizes the bloodshed of war. The black horse uh, carries a balanced scale and symbolizes famine. Finally, the fourth horse, also known as the Pale Horseman, symbolizes death itself. The number of four mirrors, the importance of four of the creation story and the, at the end of the Bible and the book of Revelation represents the end of the world. Now, I know on the Boombastic Media Network, we have, there's another show called uh, Behold the Pale Podcast. So I wonder if they get anything to do with the end of the world. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think the people should listen to find out. Check it out. I think so, too. Me and Ray are going to check that show out one of these days. I heard good things. I'm so busy. So busy, it's crazy. Now, for centuries, people have grappled with the idea of their own mortality and have learned on symbols to buy them time and distress. You know what I mean? It's a very common thing. We have one more symbol uh, that we're going to pop into real quick. Um, skulls. I probably should have gone into this one before the four horsemen of, because, uh, it's not quite as juicy, you know what I mean? But, uh, some people still enjoy it. Now skulls, of course, that, you know, people used to have them out in front of their castles and such and say, you're going to die. You come over this way. You know what I mean? So it definitely symbolizes death as a threat. Um, you look at, uh, you know, poison has the skull and crossbones on it. Now, the skull being a symbol of death is a no-brainer. You know what I mean? It's part of the person, part of a person's brain uh, that's left over when the rest of the body decays. Now, for centuries, burial techniques left bodies more susceptible uh, to the elements of the earth, and the skull in graveyards and other places were easily found. Skulls are also known sometimes with the crossbones that crisscross them, symbol which originated in the Middle Ages. Yeah, I'd say as far as long as the skull has been around, it's been a sign of bad news. I've never known skull to have anything to do with good tales of you. Uh, there are certain countries where they do celebrate using skulls. They uh, decorate and they... Um use a lot of the skull symbol because it is they don't celebrate death as a bad thing it's yeah, a good sure. thing because it's going into a better life hmm. and the skull is one symbol that they use interesting interesting I'm sitting here looking at a skull across from me I, so. I have a skull um, it's styrofoam but it's still a skull I remember as a kid my my um my dad's grandmother, when we went to, we went to their house in their basement, they had a skull. Um, I hope it was decoration. That's all I'll say. Um, I always wanted it and I, it just disappeared one day. I used to see it. It was like under the, under the, under the steps in the basement, almost hidden. And I stumbled into it one day and uh, it was a very creepy vibe stumbling into a skull because you know, who's to say what? Well, why it's there? Um, maybe some dark arts type stuff. I don't know what the hell is going on. Uh, why would you have a skull? I don't know. Well, Ray, of course, is a spiritual dude, but these are people that weren't exactly spiritual folks. Um, it's more 
<clears throat> I'd, I'd be more believe I'd believe more if they told me it was the head of an enemy than if they than them trying to find a spiritual <laughs> medium. You know what I mean? A spiritual <laughs> middle. I feel like. Uh, but I remember always seeing that, and I was I used to go and play with it. So maybe it was real, and that's why it disappeared. Imagine having a skull around of a real person, and then a great great grandchild comes upstairs holding it going, oh, this thing's cool. This is like in the movies I'm not supposed to watch. Many many examples of literature exhibit skulls all the way back to the writing of William Shakespeare. Uh, skulls have been a symbol of death. In Act 5 of Hamlet, the title character is in the graveyard playing catch with skulls. This symbolizes him facing his own mortality as he puzzles through the death of his father. You know, very tongue-in-cheek, gallows humor, if you will, you know what I mean, with that. Uh, But the skull, the skull definitely uh, is definitely symbolic of bad news going down. But yeah, you know, with those who you get the horsemen of trouble too, uh, very tricky, you know what I mean? Now, whether black beard, a black beady-eyed raven or the weeping cypress tree, uh, nature offers symbols to make humans understand death better. Literature also offers symbols such as clocks, skulls, and interpretations of the clock uh, of the color black to further our understanding of the transition between life and death. You know, I definitely agree with that for sure. Um, a question for Ray: Out of these nine symbols of death. Which one, and I can I can read through them if you need me to. Which one do you think most represents death? Most, okay. Um, I would have to say the skull. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It kind of crosses cultures. If someone is, for instance, non-Christian, they might not know the details of Revelations. Yeah. Uh, as far as the uh, the tree. Uh, that's got European origins. Even the chrysanthemum, the flower, they, they know the flower, but there's a lot of stories they don't know. But if you put a skull in front of anybody, death is part of what they see. A picture, otherwise, that's that's pretty much universal. There's maybe a few places, I think, that is down in Central America. They'll know it's death, but they don't view it as bad. But they still, they'll recognize it as death just about anywhere. Yeah, I got to agree with you on that. That's one of those things you see it and you stop. You know, I'm trying. You try and think of things that if you that would grab your eye and make you take notice. You know, if you were to see um, blackness, yeah, well, blackness it represents death because that's kind of what you you know what you go to. It just kind of fades to black, so to speak, and then you go wherever you're gonna go. Um, clocks uh, and like. Um, like this, the hourglass, you know, that, that definitely does symbolize, I think, death because of, you know, the winding down. Vultures is more of a physical form thing. You see vultures, you know, there must be, you know, like in the desert, you see vultures, uh, you know, circling somewhere. You got It's a good, good assumption there's something dead or about to die beneath them that they're about to feast on. The flowers, same thing with cypress trees, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it, that's a cultural thing, you know what I mean? What one flower can mean something to somebody and mean absolutely nothing to somebody else, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's kind of tricky in that sense of it. The cypress tree, it gets its kind of, it gets its reputation from just ancient stuff, you know what I mean? From ancient beliefs thinking that it's so old that it represents it. So I don't think anybody in modern time would really uh, equate that to death or anything like that, at least in here. Uh, the Grim Reaper, the Grim Reaper, yeah, of course. But then it's like, what are we talking about? We're talking about, uh, you know, like um, when I think of the Grim Reaper on a wall, I think of almost like a, like a weird. It looks like a like a some hockey team's logo. You know what I mean? Like I can't really picture seeing a picture of the Grim Reaper and being like, I'm in trouble. I think it's too kiddie. I think it's too kiddie and fairy tale to have an effect 
Well, Gr- Grim Reaper, I think of a monster truck. There you go. I'm with that. And the Grave Digger. <sighs> Grave Digger was my favorite. Classic. Um, Ravens to go with the, you know, the plants and the birds. I mean, yeah, they symbolize certain things, but, you know, they're just, at the end of the day, they're just certain birds. That's, that's kind of, I'm surprised, like, um, I'm surprised, you know, uh, grave diggers weren't in here. You know what I mean? Because um, that symbolizes death. And I think if you're going to blame a raven for death, you can blame, you know, a grave digger for death. And then the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, I think that that definitely symbolizes death, but I think it's cultural where it could go over people's heads if they don't exactly know what's going down with it. And uh, it's a Christian belief, so I feel like people outside of the Christian belief um, might not know it for that. Like I said before, the Four Horsemen, is a, it was a, a wrestling faction. Um, Rick Flair and Arnie Anderson and some, some more folks. Um, it was a, the Four Horsemen was, I believe, the Four Horsemen was a song of a, of a, of a underground hip hop group that didn't kind of secret society, I believe was the name of the group or she uh, had spacing, but um, yeah, the four horsemen could mean a little bit of anything could mean a different thing from whoever's listening to, you know, but yeah, on the surface, they symbolize death, but not as much as skulls. I got to agree with Ray when it went, when that's that skull, that skull's bad news. That goes all the way back to the beginning of time. You know, you see that skull. That what's funny about it is it's like if you continue to go further, you're gonna this is what you're gonna be. That's what the skull means. And you're just like, nah, I'm good with that. I'm all set with that. But yeah, I think that was nine and maybe even an extra symbol thrown in for good measure over there. But uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about the symbolism of death? Did we miss anything that might not have been on the list? Not that I can think of. I've always found it interesting that people have something that symbolizes death. And that's primarily because they don't want to face it. They're afraid of it. Um, For me, it's kind of just a natural transition into the next world. But... We run away from it. We throw all these things up there and try and hide it. And these symbols come back to haunt us to remind us that it's the eventual end for all of us. Yeah. You know, a hearse. A hearse would also be a symbol of death. You know, you see that, you think of death. Um, graveyards, of course. Tombstones. Um, yeah. The veil. When I think of veils, I think of death. Coffins or symbols of death. You know, during COVID, those COVID nineteen signs with the mask, the sign of death. The, you know, the de- the biohazard sign reminds me of death. The gas mask, you know, sign. Uh, there's a lot of different things that can kind of. This is probably this is an older version, an older list of original stuff. We could probably whip together a more modern one that would you go. Yeah, well, I think when I see this, I think of death more than I do. Uh, ravens, you know what I mean? Not for sure. I see RX, I think of death. You know what I mean? The pharmacy logo. Hmm. You know what I mean? Interesting. That, uh, that, well, they used to, they use a skull with some, uh, writing for radioactive material. Hmm. The snake. Like the, the 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 red cross with the snake and the mask or whatever it is there the mask the the, the stick whatever the that kind of makes me vibe with death I get the death vibe from that but yeah the skull's it there's nothing more nothing symbolizes more than the skull because literally death looking back at you it's what it's what become of everybody unless they get burnt up and uh, cremated. It's kind of what everybody becomes after they're dead. After time, you're just a skeleton. So I think it's the skull is the most when they say, you know, that term of, you know, like um, being confronted with death. 
looking your death in the face, looking them right in the eyes. The skulls the most is that the skulls that for me as well. So I think you're hundred and ten percent correct, Ray. Correct, you know what I mean? Well the other thing is when you look at a skull, yeah, uh, you know that that was once a person. Right. But the per the person themselves have been stripped away with the flesh. The only thing that's left is the bone, an empty skull. Skull, uh, the personalities gone, the flesh. If you don't even know what they look like, had here, didn't have here. I mean, that's all gone. It's just as excuse bare bones, but just this bare skull right there in front of you, and it kind of strips away the facade, the dressings of life, and confronts you uh, with yourself. This is going to be you. And it just works so perfectly. I think it has to. It has to be number one. I agree with you. I'm definitely agreeing with you on that. So you know, if we, if anybody out there felt we lot, we uh, didn't, we missed one or two. There's some symbols that you guys feel is uh, something that we should have brought up. Then uh, hit us up. Maybe we'll do another follow up episode talking about uh, more symbols. Uh, that represent death. I know we, we spit off a couple towards the end there. Um, but yeah, there's a, unfortunately, there's a lot of symbols that represent death, DOA, you know what I mean? Uh, we try not to get too close to them. We try to stay away from them as much as possible. The two tokens over the eyes, that's death. That reminds me of death. Oh yeah. If you, face, if you had a face with two coins instead of eyes, that would be death. Uh, not bill coins, like, like money coins. But yeah, that uh, that wraps up another glorious episode of mostly ghostly, ladies and gentlemen. If you like this episode, then dig deeper. If you have not already done so, into the archives, we got three glorious seasons of. Uh, of uh, content out there for you. And uh, we got some video stuff coming for you soon. Um, you know, check out the, the social media, you know, get the, 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 the Facebook, uh, mostly ghostly hit us up there. We're always looking for people to come on and be guests or just, even if you're just a person who enjoys the show and enjoys talking paranormal, hit us up. You know what I mean? We'll have you on the show. You don't going to be no big superstar. Uh, we just love talking to people about these things. You know what I mean? Really good stuff. Uh, if you if you were in the mood for for you know supporting financially, we have the Boombastic streaming on Patreon. You know, five bucks gets you advanced podcasting stuff, and then ten gets you the, all our films and the podcasting. And it just there's a lot of cool t- perks and tiers there. Check out if you're interested. Uh, you could become, you know, live studio audience and be here live while we record episodes. You know what I mean? A lot of cool stuff. You know what I mean? Very interactive stuff. If you want to get in, in more deeper in with the ghostly gang. But uh, with that being said, you know, we thank everybody for listening. And uh, we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Ghostly. <laughs>